0: Welcome to the Joe Rogan Universe podcast. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your hosts Adam Thorne and Garrett Hess. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Joined as always by my guy, my main man Garrett. What's up
0: champions? How we doing out there? How we living? Uh, just out the gate I think it's an important time for us to acknowledge the situation that happened in Texas and Uvalde obviously it's a rough time for everybody and it's uh, one of those situations that never becomes normal and we can't ever let it become normal Um, whether you're on the side of gun rights or gun restrictions this isn't a time to prioritize your thoughts and views it's our responsibility to put our heart and our feelings with those that are grieving at the moment and to put our feelings aside. And I think it's an important message to really take this time to value your loved ones and realize the finite possibilities that life clearly allows us in this normalcy at this time. But um, that said, I'd let's take that moment and let's jump right in and say what's up to Cam Haynes.
1: Yeah. My heart goes out to those people, man. Yeah. Jesus. It's, uh, like w- fuck. It's, I can't even imagine.
0: It sucks. To, it sucks to have to at a time like this. It's so crazy. The morning af- the morning comes and then it's like the Im- immediate reaction is either we we should have t- passed the gun laws so long ago and and restricted all the guns, which I used to totally be on that side to be honest with you. And then situations that happen in Australia and just the idea that, I mean, there's so many guns in the United States right now that it seems like a, a, a silly cause. What are you going to run around? And, like, I see the ideas between the restrictions and whatnot, but there are so many guns, and it's like this idea that if you pass a law, that if you're 18, if you want to get a gun, you'll get a gun. Has I mean, I, I just think that that's – I hate to say that, but that's the case. That's the place we're at, right? What, what do you think?
1: There's a lot of guns, man. I mean, the transition to no guns, You they, look, this is a difficult one because I'm from England, we don't have any guns, right? right? Some farmers have guns, that's it, a few. Yeah, we have no score shootings, but there are a lot of stabbings there, right. right? They just, people, it doesn't give one person the chance to go on a massacre. Australia got rid of all their guns uh, in the 90s, they haven't had any mass shootings as well but at the same time in a weird way and i i don't know if it's a direct correlation but like covid came along and they completely closed down both of those countries in a really strict way and i i feel like some of the argument for keeping the guns in the US and I'm not saying I agree or disagree I'm, ju- I'm trying to make sense of it too right I didn't move here yeah, I wasn't born here but I'm, I'm just trying to like feel it out um, but there's an argument for like keeping them as well now you know I like to hunt and when I go hunting I don't take a gun that has 35 bullets you know we have I think you have like four in there and a, and a rifle Uh, maybe you have a handgun with you if you're worried about bears or other things you could have like 13 or so bullets in that i think a shotgun can hold i think when you're hunting a shotgun can only have like three you have to like kind of cap it off you can't have like the maximum in there um so maybe there's maybe there's an argument for like not having 30 bullets I mean, but those all... dude, I'm the I'm not the guy to talk to fi- about that. I, f-
0: I mean, I don't fucking know. Not that you need to be the guy, but it is an interesting take to come from a country that doesn't have any guns and then kind of embrace them kind of wholeheartedly. I think you made two good arguments there. That is a reasonable approach. And I didn't really explore that thought that those that we're, we're kind of the only place that has these mass shootings. Yeah, I don't think there's any other place in the world that has these kind of situations that I'm aware of.
1: Yeah, on, I don't on, think with so. such
0: regularity. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I did want
1: to, and it's a it's a tough argument to say that's the price you pay for that kind of freedom when that happens. You know, and and it, dude, what is it? In the last month, we had what, like three of these.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think there was one.
1: Like, it's it's a rough one, you know. But, <sighs> shit, man. I mean, on top of this, let's let's. Take into account the fact that we just came out of COVID. People were super stressed from how fucked up that whole situation was. And then how restrictive it was. People are struggling. And now, on top of that, crazy inflation, Mm -hmm. prices through the roof. Like, people are kind of losing their minds, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Under these situations, it's just you don't want to give away too many freedoms. I think if COVID taught us anything. And... I don't lean right or left on this situation. I don't really. I don't own a gun, but I see the value in having them, and I see the value. I
1: don't. I don't own one either. Like you and I are pretty much non happy to be non gun owners. You know, but I will say, but I use them when I go hunting. I'll borrow one and take it. It's.
0: I will say the idea. Anyway,
1: look. Let's let's jump over to Cam Haynes before both of us get too stressed out about. you know, he, just the fucked up situation.
0: Let's just get some good bows, huh? Ah,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Please. Yeah. I mean, look, maybe bows are the way forward. I prefer that kind of hunting than any, even though it's, like, way more difficult. Because, you know, it's a bow.
0: And it's a skill.
1: You can't go on a mass shooting from with a bow, right. for sure.
0: Right, I think those are the... B-
1: You'd have to be Robin Hood. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the advantage of, of bows in the sense of they're dangerous weapons, but they're very limited in their destructive force and hard right. to use. You'd a, have to practice a lot.
0: From a hand, from a hunting standpoint, too, it's got to be much more like satisfying to be using a bow and probably even a more... Uh, You feel more one with the animal, I imagine, rather than using a gun.
1: Well, it's much harder to do, for sure. you got to get a lot closer. The failure rate is much higher. And, uh, and yeah, the, I, I even though you're using a modern bow, so there's a lot of technology in there, I mean, in a sense, it's still a really primitive device. So think about it in terms of this, is kind of how I see it. It's like... We've had bows for a long time in the same way as I think the first like machine that humans ever made I don't know really what defines what a machine is but like let's say it's like something similar to like a basic computer like something with cogs that keeps like timing. The most basic machine that was ever discovered was something from the Greeks that was like a watch. It was big but it like kept the time. And we still wear watches today. Even though they're using far more precise and modern technology, it's like we have that. It's almost like a bow represents the most advanced technology from a very primitive device. And to be fair, they are better, but they're not a ton better. It's not like bows today shoot a mile and a half and are laser precise. I mean, there's still a shitload of practice that goes in there. And there, there's a beauty in that.
0: Is, is Cam only a bow hunter? Does he, does he use guns as well? I don't really hear um, him make mention of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he has in the past. I'm sure he's tried all the different all right. types of hunting. But I'm pretty sure he's primarily a bow hunter now because, you know, he's – well known for it he's written books about it like that seems to be what his you know most of his focus is and also he's so good at doing it and it's such a difficult pursuit that for him you know I don't know if he goes on other types of hunts I've never heard him talk about that to be honest but I would imagine that he's mostly a bow hunter yeah right he talked a little bit about um, the vegan vegan strength thing and and then the Canelo fight, right. and it's it's kind of unfortunate when that happens, especially for the world of vegans, when somebody as amazing as him says I'm going full vegan and then gets his ass kicked when he well, was pretty in, unstoppable before that fight.
0: I don't know if this interview came out before or after, but he ended up saying that. He was like, I'm not totally vegan. If I want to have a steak or something, sometimes I I have what I want. So I don't know if I don't know how strict a vegan he was. I don't know if he was biased to say that. But Canello is so good. I mean, Joe made reference to it too. It's like maybe the reason isn't necessarily because he lost, but imagine him on meat given the situation. I think Canelo's still. I I don't know if that. Dude, may, I don't. Who knows?
1: There's there's a lot of factors. I mean, the big one is that he jumped up a weight class. All right, which I think he's done before, but he went against a guy that is fresh, hungry, coming up, is superb, and is very much used to being that weight. I mean, there's so many other factors that I don't – it's just annoying when anybody jumps on any side and they want to blame, oh, well, you know, he decided that he wanted to wear Crocs in the training cramp, so it was Crocs' fault. It's like, what? It's a, you can't just pick one thing. Like there's a lot of factors, and really the biggest factor has to be the fact that he's not that weight. I mean, he fought Mayweather, and now he's going up. Like there are so many difficulties when you go up weights like this, and I I think you know hat off to him for even getting up there, and right. and yeah, there may be there may be diet issues that he has to like focus on to get the energy i mean he did look tired in it
0: Absolutely. did you watch
1: the fight or no
0: uh I, I caught the highlights it's very true man it's you're you want to believe how important your diet is i, I think it's very important but it, it is like you said i don't know what side to be on because it's but i was just giving some thought to that I, I don't know any like extreme there's always those outliers like the vegan uh, bodybuilders and whatnot, but there's that's a dime a dozen. So I don't personally know any of those guys. I don't know a whole lot of... I'm trying to think, and this isn't trying to stereotype. I don't know any, like, overweight vegans. Like, I don't know if that's a... Like you to eat no, a lot well, I mean, you'd
1: have to eat a lot of know. bread. You could do it. You could eat a lot of uh, bread, yeah, pasta, good junk good food. Point, good Technically, good a vegan point. could just eat, like, Pringles French fries. every day. Right. That's pretty vegan.
0: Right. I mean... Yeah, slippery slope there thinking that's more healthy for you that that is an interesting angle to play that
1: dude i i will go with wherever the science is right in the sense of like if you show me over and over again that a certain way of eating or living or being works like i'm happy to head down that path oh yeah of course i don't i'm not gonna be like my granddad was if there was if there is a meat on my plate i won't eat the meal i'm like okay Absolutely. okay granddad I, lo- I love your energy too but <laughs> also you know you have high blood pressure so maybe all right balance it
0: i'm not i'm not steadfast one way or the other to be honest my girl's vegetarian i eat a lot of quote unquote um, impossible food and salads and whatnot and i'm I'm pretty satisfied, to be honest. I wait, mean, I wait, enjoy wait, a steak.
1: Hold, hold on. You eat those Impossible burgers and shit? Uh,
0: I, I should say we stay away from those more. I, I kind of interchange those words, but at least I want to I want to lean on the side of veg, veggie burgers because I don't know if there's a huge difference, but I still enjoy a veggie burger, to be honest. I don't know if I, the Impossible is a little weird consistency that's not really up my... I've tried it, but for me, I can handle a veggie burger and it not be the end of the world, personally. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I I just heard those impossible ones specifically have a lot of those odd oils in right, that right. probably aren't good for you. I mean, look, man, I'm not that strict about the way I eat too, but I feel like if you're going to come out with a thing that you're going to tout as like really healthy, please make it that. Like, don't add to a new type of confusion about it not being healthy. I'm sure there's a ton. I've when I was young. I was a vegetarian for the first 13 years of my life. We didn't have Impossible Burgers then, but we had these things called bean burgers. They are not that tasty, but (laughs) they're not the worst thing. If you have a good slice of cheese, lettuce, other things, you can put sauce on there. I mean the the beans were like pretty good, but what was good about it is it was just beans. They didn't add a bunch of shit to it. It was just like different types of beans, and it was mostly edible.
0: I, that said, I used to work at kind of a, a fancy gourmet burger spot, and they had a veggie burger on the menu, but it had like 26 ingredients, mushrooms, I mean, a variety of mushrooms, beans, tofu, corn, like all kinds of vegetables, to be honest. I, I It was actually pretty good mm. in hindsight. But I'd eat, I'd eat a mushroom burger. That sounds pretty dope. Right? Yeah. They have those, just full mushroom burgers, to be honest. He was saying that, that said, it's, as far as, like, protein that comes from broccoli as compared to beef, um, it doesn't seem like the same kind of protein value, basically, you know? Well, there is
1: there's there is an issue with vegetable proteins that they don't usually have a complete amino profile, which is all the aminos that we need to have, which I think is, like, 22 or 3. Um, some things do, right? So So hemp protein, believe it or not, has almost the complete amino profile, which is impressive. But there's also a lot of fiber in hemp protein that does require a level of processing to, to make it so that you can digest it better. So when you get the hemp protein, they've kind of taken a lot of that out, you can get the nutrients from it. So there's kind of like some work in there. I know Rogan talks about pea protein. I haven't really looked into that, but I assume he has and um i'm sure the amino profile on there is pretty good or at least it's digestible but at the end of the day if you it's it seems to be pretty well known now if you eat meat without a lot of carbs right so that's really the factor like meat gets a lot of blame but often it's when it's connected to a bunch of shitty carbs which is mostly how people eat meat right you're always eating it with like a on a pizza or with a burger bun or a, a bunch of other carbs, right? Pasta. Yeah, that right. makes it much harder to kind of process through meat because you prioritize those carbs. Therefore, you know, it's harder to digest, but but meat seems to process pretty well in in humans without carbs. You can you can kind of get you can get a lot of the nutrients out of it, especially the proteins, you know. Right.
0: That said, they were talking about how much more valuable game meat is as opposed to uh, either grass-fed or even grain-fed beef um, that you'd purchase in the store. They were saying the protein value values are almost double from the tests that they've done. Huh. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, that makes do sense. You know, kind do, of clean and meat. You know, it's not pumped with a bunch of uh, other. Um, shit. I mean, they're not feeding them all that grain. That can't be great, right? They're just eating grass out on the land, not that stressed out. That's got to be a better, better way to be.
0: Yeah. I don't have a huge frame of reference, but what do you think? They were talking about whenever you're eating like a, a piece of game meat, it's it kind of revitalizes you or makes you feel some kind of like invigorated way. Have oh, you dude, noticed it's, that?
1: It's amazing. There's so many of my friends up here in Bozeman that their freezers are full of game meat, like hunted meat, and it just is. I mean, look, you've you've got to kind of figure out how to cook it, which is why it's great to be up here because they know how to do it. Often you need to add fat to it because it's quite lean. Um, but there is something really delicious about it. Like it just tastes different. It just um, – it's hard to say. I mean, I guess the difference is to somebody that hasn't had game meat, but you've had a shitty steak – You know, we've been at Denny's drunk one day and just ordered their whatever steak they have on the menu. And you're like, this is I've I could chew on my shoe and it would feel better than this. And then you get something from Whole Foods that you probably spent way too much money on, but it's pretty delicious. Looks great. Someone cooks it well and it just melts into your body. It's it's similar to that. Like if, if you cook it well. And you know how to cook gay meat. They, it just, it really gets you going. I know Cam said that eating bear like makes him feel full of energy, like testosterone bad. and pot. Pa- I don't know about how true that could be. And he even said he was like, maybe it's just in my mind. I mean, you know, maybe there's something primal about it, but uh, it's hard. It's hard to say like if that would be a thing. Could be. Cam knows what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, it was interesting hearing him. Like, This seemed like a nice little reference book. He was saying when he just goes into his freezer and he has like backstrap from such and such or whatever place he just has it labeled in, in his mind, you can just go right back to that scenario and that little experience. And he's like, that's got to be, a, I mean, that's a cool little memory book you have in your freezer. Well, <laughs> from, here's
1: I'm, something that I noticed that I found really interesting with hunters is if they cook you some food, that they hunted and you're over there eating it you don't you don't leave that food you don't eat half of it and say oh no it's kind of shitty or i'm full and you know you'll do it at a restaurant no problem you'll do it with most of your food that you eat and that's an important distinction because often the way i grew up my understanding of hunters were they were brutish they didn't give a shit about nature they love killing animals they're out there like you know hillbillies drinking beers just shooting from the back of the truck and that's not the experience that i've seen in the hunting community like there's an ethic out there they take that shit seriously they do not care about poachers they listen to the guidelines of the wildlife you know associations and they you know get their license and when they get an animal, they prep it as best they can. They carry as much of it as they can out. And then they cherish that meat. It's real. They really do. Right. And, dude, if you want to piss off a hunter real fast, go over his house and eat, like, a quarter of the food that he gives you and be like, yeah, I'm not into this. I mean, they, right. they honor those animals in their own way, at least uh, all the ones I've seen
0: that said that didn't uh, you were telling that story to me before the pod i mean you kind of spared spared a a life because of an ethics situation as far as that brown bear you found yeah
1: yeah so i went uh bear hunting this week and for those of you that are not into that then you'll be happy to know i didn't get a bear and i was happy to not get one as well because i saw five bears uh we we went way out into the bridge mountains and it was a hell of a hike like 12 miles a day at least and it's like through snow it's a real struggle we got out to the back end and even if we get a bear out there like we have to carry it back um so we saw this one brown bear that was the i think the first bear that we saw no sorry not a brown bear it was a black bear that was like a tan color because they're like tan colors i forgive me for getting the distinction wrong it was not a grizzly there's no grizzlies in the bridges so it was the type of bear that we could hunt and we were getting close to it and it was ginormous so it would have been a, a great bear to get you know it was older and probably bred a lot and the bridges has a bit of an issue with having too many black bears up there and they're like kind of wiping out the elk population which is why they give tags for hunting bear up there and um we got pretty close to it and we had a shot potentially there was about 400 yards so it was quite far and then we noticed there was another bear there but it was also big but not as big as the other one and they came close together that generally means that that's the cub so even though the cub is really big, the rule is you can't shoot a mother with his cub, which makes total sense. And obviously that was the choice that we followed. Like you, you gotta follow these rules, right? Even though you spent yeah. all day doing it and it's like you just gotta say, look, no. Because if you take out a mother with a cub that still needs the mother. And there's a reason the cubs still hang out with the mother. Because they're learning. They're learning how to eat and how to deal with the land. And, like, you know, it's tough to, for them to survive out there. So you can't take it. So that was a moral choice. Like you, It's not really. It was a legal obligation. But there's still a part of it that's, like, you have to make that choice. And it, it's pretty standard. Like, there wasn't really any discussion within my group of taking that animal. Like everyone was like, no, nah, right. can't do that. And thank God we well, saw that, the cub before right. we decided to take the shot. Like we took, right. we took time, and the cub just happened to be close by.
0: So when you get a, a bear tag, and, and there's just certain bullet points that are like, these are is that there's probably only a few of them, but
1: yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, I mean, you can get males because they're on their own, fully grown males. And you could get a female if it doesn't have a cub. And that's gotcha. that's part of the rules. It's,
0: it seems like the people that are writing those rules aren't the most savage people. It seems like they might be a little bit thoughtful for the environment and what they're doing. Oh,
1: know? dude, they're, they're 100% that way, and they have to be. And it's important. Yeah. Like, they're not just, like, go kill everything. I mean, yeah. what I th- they do is they go around and they... Keep an eye on the numbers. They count. They've got they've got um, cameras up in the trails, and they and they see how much uh, how many animals are out there. You know, deers and elk. They make an estimate, and whichever numbers are running, if they're seeing more bears than they usually see, or more wolves, like that means the predation is going to be higher than it usually is. The last thing you want is one bear or too many extra bears, like, killing hundreds of elk, or however they do it. So that it's just a conservation thing, which I get it. It's like, I speak to my dad. He doesn't care at all. He's like, no animal should be killed. No hunting should ever be done. Everything should be left Mm. to nature. This is how he thinks. And I, like, go, all right. Well, this is also what I
0: think, and, you know, kind of it seems like a valuable it seems like a valuable argument because to not keep those numbers in check you, we don't really get to see the outcome or that the repercussions because I mean we do in certain situations that's whenever you see bears running around and I think Joe was talking about bears running around in Austin getting in bear fights like it's, I don't know. I think you got. I think you just made a very valuable argument. But I think from the outside perspective, it seems as though hunting comes with such a traumatic, wrong heart. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's a heartfelt thing. If you're really looking out for the animal and you're being cautious and following the guidelines that were written for a reason, it seems like. It might be something to explore. Dude, to look, I, I
1: get both sides of the argument as well because the majority yeah. of the reason we, as humans, step in to kind of call their numbers is because of our expansion and, and kind of like right. growth into their area. I mean, there is yeah. an argument for saying just let them do their thing, but it's almost like we've created a bit of an environment where they get pushed into areas and yeah. then... There gets a, a bit of an off balance, so therefore, it kind of makes sense to the ecosystem for us to step in. So when people talk to me about, well, we shouldn't be in their space anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, because that's that's kind of why we have to, why it's a good idea to go in and get, like, sort these numbers out anyway. But there, we uh-huh. can't stop our expansion; it's just going to happen. Like, what are, what are you going to tell people, like, you can't move to areas or we can't breed more? What, are we going to have less children? Like, humans are just doing what they do, man, you know? That's a good point. If somebody said guess? that to me and they have, like, six kids, I'm not going to tell them, hey, you've got too many kids. I'm going to be
0: like, have as many kids as you want. It's not China. Yeah. I wonder what your dad thinks in that situation. Or I was thinking, is he, what, what are his thoughts on the same thing about fish and every other animal? It doesn't matter what animal, don't kill it. Does anybody get a a kill pass?
1: Yeah, it's got to be balanced, bro. I mean, we're overfishing the fuck out of the ocean. You can't do that. And that's why you have a certain amount of tags. And they don't say, hey, everyone gets a moose tag. We'd wipe all the moose out. Can't do that. Like, there has to be a balance with it. Yeah. Anyway, let's jump over to the Goggins bit where they were talking about. I love how Cam always brings up Goggins because they're friends he ran seven thousand miles in one year 20 miles a day when i was up there hiking that 12 miles a day nice and slowly even though i had a pack on i was like walking pretty much as slowly as i could because i was yeah it was like a struggle uphill in the snow imagine running 20 miles a day how old is goggins like in his 40s i think it's
0: 43 44
1: really oh he's not that much older than us I believe. Uh, let me double check. Google I, it. I thought that was. We need Jamie, but twenty miles a day. Can you even fathom that? How, does he even have toenails, or did they just give up?
0: <laughs> I don't think he uh, he has like Terminator legs at this point. Unreal. Unreal. Um, forty-seven. I take that back. I'm sorry. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing. Slamming
1: it just unbelievable and i mean the fact that cam is inspired by him i mean somebody that uh, runs 240 miles when he's 54 inspired by another human you got to be like how many like you're
0: running out of people to be inspired by at that point right man, kudos to the book called endure like that's the that's the motto right mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's the motto endure legend Um, well hopefully cam sells his book a lot
1: and he gets on the new york uh bestseller he's gonna
0: dom. i bet it'll dominate are
1: you gonna buy that
0: um i think it's i just like the name so i i think i could jump into that i would like to hear a lot of his stories i could vouch to say that i'll buy that book nice
1: all right let's jump over to let's jump over to jack Carr. this guy's a badass I loved him like the few times he's been on. Um I'm glad he doesn't bring up his uh beat the guy to death with a rock story. That was oh, yeah. pretty traumatic was the first time. Wow. Right. But what I loved about this is he brought up some things about his writing process that I that I feel is really important for a lot of people like getting good at what you do the consistency like putting in the time you know i'm sure Mm -hmm. so much of the time of a writer you sit down and you just cannot think of anything to put down so blocking out a period of time to like nail it in and then also Mm -hmm. sticking with your own philosophy like he's I guess when he was writing these books, he probably was thinking it would be great if they turned this into a movie or a show. But it doesn't sound like he wrote it to pander to the people that would make a show.
0: He just wrote
1: it and was like, I believe that people
0: will want this at some point. He's such a unique guy. I mean, just his voice. You can hear his voice. You know there's some some, uh – Some stuff behind that, some Navy SEAL stuff that has been through some journeys for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean the fact that he jumps into writing after that situation and can reflect and turn it into a creative endeavor is something that's probably not done by a whole lot of ex-Navy SEALs. I mean, I I I think of him and I think of Jocko. I don't really and, and Goggins, but those guys all feed off of each other, and it's like they don't have no in their in their dna it's like they will survive i think cam could fit right in that right in that bunch too but it's uh it's an interesting place especially his view on war too like they they touched on a lot of the military and, and industry complex and they discussed a lot of that and kind of i knew that was there but it definitely opened my eyes to what big business war is you know that's why i kind of always had a, a hesitation to get into that kind of thing, because I, I I see the value of discipline, I see the value of camaraderie, and I see the value of taking care of your country, and I see the value in all those things. But maybe this sounds like a scummy thing to say, but I was always thinking like, yeah, that's all good, but you're like doing somebody else's dirty work, and somebody else, we don't really know who's being affected. I don't feel like you have enough enough information to know what's right and what's wrong because give afghanistan a stab you know you look at that situation who's benefiting from that and it took us 20 years to get out of afghanistan and it, at what cost and why and why did we make so many decisions that we did it seems like everybody is i mean this goes without saying but it's all financial and they don't hold any of the senior senior reps of, like accountable and it's like why wouldn't that happen it seems like because they're financially vested, and it, nobody wanted to get out of I, nobody wanted to get out of Afghanistan because they all had these huge contracts. So it made sense to stay there, right?
1: It's it's heartbreaking to hear it because like people like Jack and a lot of the SEALs that have come on Rogan, like they put their blood, sweat, tears, and their trauma into fighting these wars with right. things that we couldn't even understand, bro, and. For them to turn around and watch something like that happen on the bureaucracy political end, you know, by people up in Washington doing insider trading, making tons of money, and worrying more about whatever they worry about—woke culture—you you just you got a feel for them because they're like, seriously, I fought for right. this.
0: Yeah, that's brutal. why they're so yeah i mean it makes sense it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to come back from a navy seal journey in afghanistan and have a woke mentality i would like to see the percentage of folks that do that
1: well thank god that he was able to like make this um book into a show which in a sense is a real expression of what he went through you know, to right. where most people can see it. Because that's a big thing. We're so disconnected from it, we don't get to see it. And he sounded right. adamant about making a movie that really portrayed what it was like. You know, he said he mm-hmm. found that director that made that movie Tears from the of the Sun with Bruce Willis. right? And he Anto- liked that guy. What was his name?
0: I think it's Antoine Fu- Fuqua. Oh yeah, trained, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, yeah. I watched that movie, right? So I wanted. So when I went bear hunting, I went with a green beret, and I asked him to watch that movie. Uh, we didn't get around to it because we, you know, we were just campfiring, and we just didn't put it up. But I wanted to get some feedback. Like, was this realistic enough? You know, it is what Jack was saying. Like, not to say that I needed to hear from someone else if jack was right but it's cool to get more feedback you know what i mean
0: but
1: but anyway i ended up watching it just on my own and sometimes even though hollywood wants to make movies that it's like oh this is rambo and this is what war is like and you're like god bless rambo those those movies were great but is it a portrayal that makes the regular people understand what's going on out there how painful it is how terrifying how traumatic And You can do both. You can make it entertaining, but also tell the story of what these people go through. I feel like Jack's going to do this, and having nice. um, who's that actor? He's getting in. Damn it, I forgot his name.
0: Uh, I got it right. Yeah, Chris Pratt.
1: Oh, Chris. Yeah, having him in there. I mean, he, I think, is going to be a great portrayal. Of, oh, dude, he's a, yeah, solid he's dude. a legend. So having him in there, also keeping it as close to that kind of narrative. I think it's an important story to tell so people have more of an understanding of of like what these guys go through. Before we just get political and say, "Oh, we need to pull out." Like, hold on.
0: It's I <laughs> totally I found it interesting too the way like even more detail having him at the helm and being there on set. It's like he would he would have the opportunity to see how people would be holding guns and hold the triggers and have everything be super realistic because he's like I don't want to be one of those movies where people that are in ex-seals or ex-soldiers see the movie and they get drawn out because it's all kind of BS and it's not realistic right. you know it's kind of it's kind of cool to have somebody that's focusing on the details for me I wouldn't really know but for people that have been in that situation they're like I would never do that or you know what I mean it's like it's kind of cool to have that perspective
1: well that's why that's why I wanted to watch it with, with my guy to, to like figure out you know how close it was i liked what he was saying about how you would steal a car right and right. and what they did is they looked up like the exact car and exactly how to steal it because always oh, in man. movies you just smash right. the window yeah, yeah. punch the dashboard and pull two wires out and i'm yeah, like good yeah, fucking yeah. luck if you think you can good start
0: point. a car like that right that's a great point i mean you have these stereotypes of what happens and you don't really know I mean, that's how I always thought a car got hot-wired. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's how it was back in the day. Or I just remember shoving a screwdriver in the side. That's how a couple of cars I'd, I recall getting stolen. Wait, wait. It, the, are you confessing to stealing cars right now? You, no, no, but you I... You didn't I, yeah, to steal ha- cars? <laughs> no, but it happened quite a bit in Arizona. I actually had three cars stolen, believe it or not, in Arizona. But, no uh, shit. That was a wild thing. Yeah, it was wild. Huh. Not a good I mean spot. yeah I would yeah, imagine yeah. all the
1: cars you could probably just jam a, a thing in there and get them going I also wondered this too day. like remember those Bourne movies the Bourne supremacy movies it's like I loved like I love James Bond I love the Bourne movies I love anything with like Navy Seals like they're always fun right it's like masculine fun but at the same right. time they they often do things that you're like wait a second would they have learned that like I don't know if they teach special forces guys how to steal cars I'm pretty sure that's not a thing that they do.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. You probably have a lot of skills that we don't think that they have in that situation. They'd teach you everything. You'd want to know everything if you're in Afghanistan yeah, or any of those probably places. Probably no doubt. Should, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they, they just
1: figured it out on the run. Like you know, right. they just was stuck somewhere and they found a car and just just
0: Googled it, right? What what about the thought about the spyware? Remember when they were talking about the spyware that spied on the CIA just to prove what it could do? Oh yeah, that was an interest too. That was kind of nerve wracking. Not nerve wracking. I feel like if anybody, if the government wants anything at this point, they can get it. So it's I hate to say that, but I'm still curious to see how much these signals and duck, duck, go and they're all cool options. But you got to know that the government's in there thinking, how do we debunk this? Yeah. They're like whatever you, one they come up with. They're like, how do we fi- how do we break this one?
1: I kind of thought that when they were talking about that, I'm like, wait a second. So like a phone company hacked a bunch of people in the CIA just to show how the technology worked. Assuming that was that I assumed the story was that they didn't tell the CIA they were doing it. I imagine yeah. that you would afterwards get pretty arrested for that, right? Yeah,
0: that seems like treason, probably. To some <laughs> yeah, extent. but but. I don't know how you maybe not that. maybe maybe
1: they had some approval and like hacked them anyway just to like show oh holes God. in that game. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wonder if
0: that, I don't. I wonder if that's a private company or a government-funded company. That'd be an interesting. Um, question. I'm ask,
1: sure it's a private company. Yeah, I'm sure it's private. Yeah. They were just showing it anyway. I'm a big fan of Jack Carr. I like his stories. I like his energy when he's on the pod. Like he's he right. sounds good and and um i haven't read his books but i'm excited to watch his show when that comes out i hope chris uh, pratt keeps making those sounds dope. totally what do you what I'm did they say was it. that going to be netflix i can't remember
0: uh, uh, i thought he said well i know he said it was on amazon reacher was on amazon because they made re- reference to that show as well because they said that's a lot more realistic than tom cruise doing that but oh yeah that guy's i jacked. can't, uh, I can't I, I can't remember the the ne- yeah that dude on that show is for sure. Uh, I did want to touch on one quote that he like reiterated a few times from Larry Ellison from Oracle. He said, "I had all the dif- disadvantages necessary for success," and he he reiterates that probably that relates to the woke culture a little bit. But I mean, you can make up a thousand reasons why you're not going to be successful, but when you want to be something, he's a good good example of it. Mm.
1: Good good way yeah. to end that one. Let's jump over to Bert Kreischer and Tony Hinchcliffe. Uh, I love how they picked Tony up. They just saw him at a uh, stoplight right. and were like, hey, Tony, you want to go do a pod? And he's like, fuck yeah. I'm not golfing. Yeah. Legend. For
0: sure. Swooped him up in the yellow Corvette. This might have been the most sober Bert stayed throughout a whole pod. 100%. Like they were having yeah. fun towards the end. but It must have been real. early in the day. Right. He talked about that too, I mean, just to touch on. He said, I do drink quite a bit, but he's like, I have some buddies that you know you're off the rails when you start drinking in the morning. And I had to right. think about that, <laughs> you know?
1: Well, it was surprising yeah. to me that he said he doesn't really drink till, like, almost midnight. Right. So it's not even until his, like, last performance that he, right. like, starts. So you got to think the window of his drinking is actually quite short. Now, I'm sure, because right. it's Burt and he's a legend of partying that he packs Definitely. a lot in but mm-hmm. that's pretty good for him that he's not slamming it all day i mean right. i guess he just wouldn't live if he did that
0: well apparently according to the doctors his his liver's in the green and he's doing just fine that doesn't seem said. possible we need a second opinion <laughs> on this i think i think a second opinion might be indeed he does work out i've seen it. i mean i follow him on instagram I by workout yeah it seems like he just goes through phases like everybody else, but he's usually holding a glass of wine on the treadmill so I don't know that's an interesting it's interesting take it's so nice to see him become a professional too. They showed some of those videos them them back in the day him and red band they just didn't even look like the same folks. it was cool to see the progression
1: yeah i I do like the <laughs> challenge that Rogan threw out like a hundred grand mm-hmm. for red band and whoever that other guy was D- D- and then and also Cross, I yeah, something for for Bert as well. Like, right. I love that Rogan, you know, pushes and and also gives him some shit, and you yeah. know, and they. It's not like either all of these guys come on and they're like, "No, I'm not doing it." That's bullshit. Like, they hear it and they're inspired by it. They're just trying to find a way to kind of lose that weight,
0: you know. Well, you can hear Joe actually cares. Like, he really cares about his friends. It comes through especially when it comes to Bert, cuz I'm sure Bert has reached out to him in some dark moments. Yeah. And jo- Joe has to be the one to call him on it cuz he I'm sure he looks up to him and they kind of came up together so it's It is what it is. I, I I wish nothing but the best. He's proved to it that he can do it when he wants to step up. Right?
1: It was It's, it was it's just heartbreaking because like Joe's talked about it too. Like how many of his friends has he already lost either from being overweight, drugs, or, um, you know, suicide even in the comedy right, community. Yeah. I mean, it's right. it's a wild bunch. So he wants to take care of him because this is why he does the pod. Like, he did the pod originally not because of money, because he enjoyed it and he wants to talk right. to his friends and he wants to talk to them for long periods of time, which means right. he wants to be able to be with them for his whole life journey as well as right. theirs, and he doesn't want it totally. cut short. I think, I think uh, you know, losing Hartman when he was on news radio was, was, a, was harder for him than he often talks Less about. Hard. You know, he does yeah. talk about it, and it was hard, And he said, but I think it really hit home with, you know, he misses that guy a lot. He loved mm-hmm. that guy. I think that guy, in a lot of ways, was a mentor to Joe, I would right. assume but just because of his experience and having him gone was was tough and it and it makes him want to really
0: hmm,
1: i don't know prioritize and and yeah. em- you know care for his friendship. friends yeah Is what it seems yeah like. I'm,
0: I'm, i literally had like five names pop into my head when you listed overweight suicide and drugs like there's a there's like a Bunch, you know what I mean. Mm. I don't even want to want to go through all the names, but it's, I don't want to either
1: big, because it's sad it's to a do it. It's a, but it's there's rough. there's been too many, man. It, it hurts what about my that? feelings. Real quick though, talking about a recent death was um, um, McDonald, Norm McDonald, and he has mm. a stand-up special coming out. So, I God, I hope that that thing, it's going to be good. Norm always did good work, but the fact that he kept it quiet. I want that thing to go to number one immediately I want it to just I, I, be I'm so hopeful of it that I I, I can't co- wait for it
0: I wonder who's getting the proceeds of that I hope it's his family and stuff that's that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna go to number one no question about it I think they said that he did it in a empty theater too i don't know if that's true i think it's under wraps but that'd be such a cool environment (laughs) it'd be especially
1: really weird if he doesn't have at least like look i'm not a fan of laugh tracks but it would be very strange if he did it with like nobody laughing i mean maybe you could pull it off it would be like doing the office or something like that where you just got to figure out where the jokes are but i don't know how you could do that for stand-up
0: Dude, he was so good as it is, but think about going into a stand-up special knowing that your days are numbered—like literally numbered. I wonder how relative and how intuitive his thoughts are in that kind of situation where you're like, "I might have two weeks to live." I don't—I don't know the—I don't know the dynamic. Dude, but
1: knowing knowing Norm, it probably put—and I—I don't know him obviously, but just like from right. watching him, right. it probably put him in such. I'm just assuming, but like in such a flow, like, you you know, you could imagine that that could put him into a place where he gives so zero fucks that it just is clean material. And his jokes are so unique and so ridiculous. If you ever want to go down a rabbit hole, my listeners, go to Conan O'Brien, Norm MacDonald, anytime he goes on there. The way he just carries a story and drags it out forever and then crushes—it's just the most beautiful madness you've ever seen in your life. It just—it's amazing.
0: That said, I mean, I I really hope that he gets to be the voice of this whole past two three years of our lives. Think about mm. it. I mean, it would be it would be an awesome thing to see him come out and just yeah, crush if he just and, sums and, it all and, up as. Be, the able, be able to say it every, was right right be able to say everything that everybody wanted to say yeah
1: <laughs> let's finish I up this podcast with the um um treatments that the bird's been doing so he talked a little <laughs> bit about the frisbee golf like staying in mm-hmm. shape with that i love the fact that he wants to put on a frisbee tournament that would be amazing and if joe goes to host that that would dude how wild would that be if they do that on that two happens. bears That would be epic. But then he was talking about his IV treatments with his glutathione Mm -hmm. and how that helps break down alcohol. You know, I don't want to justify drinking too much by having those things. But, hey, at least he's offsetting potentially a bit of the damage, you know.
0: Had you heard of that prior to this? I've never heard of it. He said he had a No, I've had one of those.
1: I've had a glutathione IV before. I you know I couldn't really tell what it did. I mean, is I'm just for, being real, but it wasn't it like hangovers? I left going, oh yeah, I feel like way healthier than when I went in. I mean, I was hungover when I went in, and I felt kind of, I, I like, I don't really, I don't get headaches with my hangovers, but you just feel tired, you know, kind right. of worn out. I didn't feel like super energized, but, I mean. It, it seems like the science is somewhat in on that stuff being good for you. So, you know, I'll keep doing it.
0: Uh, maybe I need to get a Costco size of the glutathione.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like up there with sauna, right? So they, right. they're telling you it's good. Do it. Stay on top of it. If you drink, if you drink heavy, if you go to Vegas, yeah, get a glutathione IV. It won't be... It's not going to be bad for you. Like, get it in your system. And if you can afford it, just do it. I don't think they're that much. Like like 100 bucks.
0: I might give that a try just to see what if there is any benefit. I yeah, did think how quickly,
1: that. realistically, you can spend 100 bucks, even if you don't have a lot of money. You can do it right. real fast. On stupid shit you don't need.
0: I would be curious as to how much more benefit that is for than, like, an hour-long hot-cold session in the sauna and cold plunge. It seems like that might be pretty cor i mean correlate I well
1: i mean you got to be careful doing a sauna after drinking a lot because it's going to dehydrate you more so you do mm-hmm. want to think about getting electrolytes in your system and a lot of fluids sauna gotcha. after drinking is going to dehydrate you more i don't know if that's super beneficial right.
0: so enough. it's
1: relative right it's kind of what timing
0: we, yeah Let's let's finish off with that one story that he said the the Bert story when he said he went in, went on a hunt, helicoptered back to the top of that mountain, hopped on a motorcycle, cruised down the was cruising down listening to Wilco with his glasses on, his headphones on, just bumping music that he loves. Oh, and then he said all all the horses came running uh-huh. up next to him. I was like, dude, that is a freaking movie right there, bro. Dude,
1: that that travel show that he had. I mean, I know he didn't care for it because it took him away from comedy and joe was like dude you need to quit that so you're not like in the corporate system and like focus on your comedy which obviously has worked out well for him but my god did it does it sound like it gave him some incredible adventures like come on
0: for sure that was love
1: it what a legend to bert kreischer what a birdie absolute legend well anyway thank you guys as always for tuning in we appreciate you sticking with us to the end and uh, we'll see you next week. Love you. Peace
0: and love. Peace and love.